Welcome back to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. I'm joined here by uh, my esteemed colleague, Brandon Jones. Brandon, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for that. Thanks for that lead in, uh, Mike. I think that was in contrast to last week when I, I may have introduced you as just Mike Palmer. Yeah. I'd like, you know, this isn't a correction. Uh, this is just a, a reminder that I was just, I was missing Dan. Yeah, we all are missing Dan. And we Dan, all are missing Dan's Dan. Dan's doing well. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was on, uh, I, I text messaged him a little bit and uh, exchanged emails. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we might even talk to him next week. I think he may be on a, an upcoming show. That's and, great. Yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah, well, 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 we'll be welcoming you back, Dan. But uh, uh, but but in the meantime, I think we wanted to, to build on uh, sort of thematically uh, a bit of what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about the gig economy, uh, wanted to talk about uh, how folks can continue to upskill to be more uh, ready for the jobs that they have or they want to have as the world continues to uh, to change at increasing rates. Uh, and uh, the, f- the related area, I think, is uh, for those uh, within an organization, uh, how do they understand how to become workforce ready or uh, workforce readiness just as a concept uh, there's a couple articles about how Coursera has uh, partnered with some large organizations, uh, AXA, right? Or, or well, I AXA? mean, you, I think in, in sort of stumbling through that, you said all the letters multiple times. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's AXA yeah. Um, or yeah. AXA. Mm. You got to AXA somebody. I, gotta, I had to AXA someone. Yeah. Um, and AXA, is a, it's a worldwide leader in insurance. So it has... Um, 165,000 employees over 64 countries. That's a that's a big. That's large. That's a that's a big uh, employer, and um, uh, f- folks there are not working a gig. They're like they're working the nine to five. Like they're working they're working like a, a real job, and right. so um, they could be side hustling. I'm sure they are. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are the uh, what was it from last week? They are the ca- they could be casual earners. They're probably cat. That's the cool spot, I think. Yeah. The casual earner. Right. You know. Um, so this is, uh, you know, Corsa- so Coursera has, has launched a Coursera for business, which is, um, a, uh, you know, B to B business to business facing branch of Coursera, which was launched initially for, you know, uh, retail, uh, individual learners. Um, and, uh, they've been signing on companies to provide their essentially workforce readiness or ongoing training. Um, and uh, this is uh, this is a, a pretty big one for them. Um, so you know, I, I think it's uh, it's it's interesting that uh, companies are are you know this is an example. AXA is um, certainly paying Coursera. Yep. Right. Like that's the way that the the money flows from the one to the other. And as you like to say, follow the money. Follow the money. Yeah, that's what I learned. Yeah. That's what I learned in and, in Body More Murderlands. And if you're lucky, you can casually follow that money to yourself. Truth. If you're a casual earner. Truth. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, this is one where where clearly the in in making that investment, they're saying two things. One, that workforce readiness is important to them. They're saying three things. I said two. I'm going to say even three. One, yeah, that it's important. Two, mm. that they themselves can't do it best themselves. Yep. Uh, and three, it's going to be online. So, yeah. right, um, right, you know, right. I think all three of those things are actually trends that that I expect to uh, to to continue. Yeah. No, I I I agree uh, wholeheartedly, and I also think it's interesting that uh, workforce readiness is not 
it's not like you're workforce ready and then you're done. Right. It's not like it's a one and done. It's an ongoing thing. Uh, your uh, your uh, turn of phrase, I believe, is always be learning. ABL. ABL, yeah. baby, right? Hashtag ABL. Hashtag ABL. Uh, but it's that like you're never really done. You know, we're always a work in progress and uh, the skills that are relevant today are going to evolve and change so that new skills are, n- are going to need to be learned uh, one, two, five years from now. And uh, interestingly, uh, the Coursera partnership uh, has benefits. It also has drawbacks because I don't know how quickly a Coursera spins up new uh, courses to respond to a changing. Well, that's uh, part of the that's part of the model here. Uh-huh. So that they um, through this partnership, XA actually will be able to create personalized training programs uh, on Coursera. So they are going to both have they they are um, uh, investing in a platform that has content, but I also in investing in a platform that will allow them to to build uh, their own content. That's interesting, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Well, also to your point, though, uh, I guess AXA or AXA. And if you don't know, you better AXA. Now you know. Somebody. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they may not be particularly skilled in developing training. You know, Coursera, Coursera is, uh, at least in terms of traditional, uh, you know, higher ed course development, they know what they're doing. They do. They've also got a consortium of contributors to create this extensive library of content. Uh, it just may not be tailored directly to the workforce. And then when you go to workforce readiness and workforce training, frequently it's people who are expert in a skill or expert in a domain, but maybe not expert in teaching or instructional design or learning science. Uh, And uh, I think that can result in some sort of mixed quality. For sure. For sure. I I wonder if um, Coursera is offering through this Coursera business – uh, like a managed, like a managed service packages, a package right, where right. You know, they are have their training experts on demand for the subject matter experts mm-hmm. at AXA to be available. Um, uh, if not, I hope you're not listening because I think that's a, that's a pretty good model. Yeah, well, it's also an interesting model that that we're sort of skirting the edges of right now right. too, where like the ability to develop learning programs and the reality that. The only way it's really going to work for large workforce readiness efforts is for it to be delivered digitally. Yeah, those are things that play to some of our strengths. There, are, there are other organizations, you know, to use one that comes to mind, where uh, they've really sort of built their business model around uh, enabling uh, the migration to digital for traditionally non-digital instruction. Uh, I th- that's more the traditional higher ed uh, curriculum moving online. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is a big space here in, yeah. in workforce readiness and yeah. ongoing yeah. workforce uh, readiness. Um, the uh, there, there was an interesting quote from the the head of the um, HR group uh, from AXA, um, whose name is maybe Rhino. Yeah, Piazzola. Okay. Yes, uh, I would go that way. Rhino. With no the with no silent H. No, the H, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so silent. It's not even there. <laughs> just, it's not an apostrophe either. It's just R I N O. Yeah. So Reno Rhino. I say tomato. I, I uh, apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. Um, I thought this was an interesting quote. So our industry. This was to your point about how fast things are changing. Our industry is undergoing rapid transformation, and providing direct access to the best academic knowledge will help our employees drive this transformation and give them an opportunity to manage their learning curve and enhance their skill set. So just mm-hmm. unpacking that a little bit, because I think this is this is getting into some of the trends in education, one is the rate of change is increasing. Yeah. 
Uh, two is the expectation is that a more learning engaged workforce is actually going to help drive that transformation. It's not just you know being compliant right. or, or, or you know pushing it down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, and and right. So that's that was the third point, which I think you know the, the expecting them to drive the transformation is similar but different to. Um, the expectation they're going to own their own training. Like they, yes. they are um, managing, these are the words, managing their learning curve and enhancing their skill sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's, um, that's right. That, that the, you know, employer, we've talked about this a little bit coming out of GSV, mm-hmm. uh, ASU GSV conference we went to earlier this year, that uh, employers offering training and learning uh, in an ABL style way is going to be an employer benefit, but I think it's the onus is still going to be on the learner, right? To actually go through and and not just you know click so that the video plays and they can check a box, but actually to engage in that learning. Yeah, well, it, it's reminiscent of uh, when you were talking about hustle as talent in the gig economy. It's uh, you know that that hunger to learn and that desire to you know get in there and just acquire new skills and. Uh, that curiosity is something that uh, hiring managers are going to really focus on. I think I, I know I certainly do now. Yeah. Where like you know I know you've talked about hiring for for attitude and uh, aptitude and, and aptitude over experience. Yeah, right and and that that almost ties directly uh, to what we're talking about because if you have the right attitude, I want to learn. I'm curious. I'm hungry. The right aptitude, I'm able to pick stuff up quickly. The skills are almost less important these days, even right. though obviously if you have the cutting edge skill, like the, there are certain skills that are in scarce, the, the scarcest uh, new economy skills are the ones that are always going to command, uh, you know, command uh, the best compensation and the best benefits and the best status within an organization. But even that, like you can get upset pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, there there is omnipresent obsolescence mm-hmm. in 2017. And nice. I think that's... Um, you know that is part of what in, informs my thinking, and I think others around um, how attitude and aptitude are superior in many cases to skills. And again, it's not specific for all jobs, and and don't mean to say we don't look at all at experience. But um, where what you need to do tomorrow is very different from what you're doing today, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't so much matter what you did yesterday in terms of that actual skill, right? Yep. So like that's. Uh, you know, I'm basically just plus one-ing what you're saying here, Mike. I think that's 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 right on. Yeah, I, and I think the the related thing is the concept of learning transfer too. So like, it's not like you should you, you could throw away all your previous knowledge and start fresh and learn, uh, you know, de novo as well as you really need to. It's more you're building on a foundation of learning and you're transferring skills. Broer uh, Broer Saxberg was talking about how. You know, even those who have a single career focus at every point in their life cycle are going to have four, five, six careers within their lifespan. Each one builds on the other. So even as you jettison old skills, some of the the mental associations, some of the foundations that you develop there are going to be applicable to the new skills. But, you know, you're not writing in the same coding language that you used to. You're not using the same applications that were were really hot years ago. And even uh, the technology that is serving this stuff up is also uh, evolving. So uh, for some, that's exciting. Uh, I'd say uh, I probably lean towards that direction where I actually think the I, I'm, I'm excited by the rate of change because I continue to get surprised by the world that we're living in. 
but it's also until it goes inside your head <laughs> and then you're a hard pass. Well, I don't know. I've, I've thought about it. I mean, if I do need to hook up the Neuralink, uh, I want to see, I want to, you know, you'll obviously get it first. First. I'll, yeah. I'll see how much better you are on the podcast. So much. We'll see. <laughs> and then if you are, uh, it's also, I don't know if they have like, uh, you know, comedic extensions. Right. You know, like I don't, I want to understand. That'd be, I, like I couldn't use one is. of those. Like that's, I'm, I'm already, I'm already <laughs> maxed, maxed out. out? Yeah. This one already goes to 11. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> sure. But I, so bef- uh, pre Neuralink, um, yep. shout out Elon, pre yep. Neuralink, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, there was another article that you shared, a HuffPost article, yep. which maybe we can talk about a little bit that, um, in the absence of being able to plug right into the matrix, that online learning is the best way. So we talked about uh, online learning being provided by Coursera for AXA, and we talked last time about the gig economy, right. where that is a big employer benefit, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the the always be learning. They they have those employees have access right to it. But for uh, and the 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 thrust of this HuffPost article was that online learning is also perfect for the gig economy. Yeah, and in some ways. It is interesting if you think about uh, the psychology of the gigster uh, versus the corporate employee. The corporate employee is more likely to expect the organization to provide the the base level access to him or her, as opposed to the gigster is already hustling to get gigs, and they understand that they really have to market themselves effectively to land those gigs. One of the ways in which they market themselves effectively is showing that they're continuing continuing to stay relevant and upskill. They're more. I think the successful ones, particularly on the digital side of the gig economy, are learning relevant digital skills. Uh, and then there's probably a meaningful divide there too, where like if you go to uh, to the lower end of the gig economy. Um, it might be a little trickier there. Like, I'm not sure how much folks who are, uh, you know, waitressing or driving uh, driving an Uber, like, are they really plugged into online learning? Perhaps. Yeah, you know, yeah I but, think I think pro- I think you're right. I think probably less so. Certainly, yep, it's a yep. non-zero number who are, but it's a smaller percentage than in some of those other boxes. I think. Yeah. But I think um, the promise of online education is that it's cheap. Mm-hmm. It's uh, always refreshable. Sure, it's it's bite size. We talked about this, and so you know, I, I think you're right in in assuming that there's um, there's less happening right now. But I think that there's still a lot of promise for those folks, mm-hmm. the waitress, the Uber driver, um, to uh, to to be you know stitching in learning as an interstitial amount between gigs. Yeah, agreed. It's also interesting to think about which types of skills can be learned online and which ones are harder. So like if I want to learn how to, um, how to code, being in front of my computer learning that digitally makes tremendous sense. If I want to learn how to ski, uh, you know, I want to become a ski instructor, there's only a limit to what I'm going to learn yeah. through my computer until the VR headsets come. I was just going to say. Well, please yeah. say it. Until the VR headsets come. Whoa, really? Yeah. What, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, that, you know, once you can take reps without needing to be on the slopes. Sure. Uh, like, that's going to that's gonna be a game changer. Although, I, I like Ski, inst- ski Instructor. was like, uh, that's an early gig economy because depending on where you are. Right. It doesn't, it's not always snowy. Right. Right. So, like, yeah. you, are, you are seasonally delimited in terms of uh, your ski uh, instructorness. Yeah, it's true. Well, it's also that's uh, the people who do it out of a passion. You know, like that was sort of the idea. I don't think there's a lot of folks who are like, 
I'm really strapped. I'm going to have to be a ski instructor. Into these boots, <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, so we talked about workforce readiness and uh, ties to online learning and the gig economy. Um, what, uh, what, uh, what else? Uh, what else is striking your fancy? Yeah, I just, um, you know, in terms of trends, uh, I'm really optimistic here. I, I think that um, online education is becoming more accessible. It's be it's always really been affordable, but it's you know the, when you when you think about even like ten fifteen years ago like the number of people who had you know reliable bro- broadband access or you know the the people who um, you know had a device that they could uh, get um, streaming video on it was and now it's approaching a hundred percent of the population yep. and it's it's not everywhere not everyone but it's it's a lot closer to to, to all than it was even a few years ago and I think. You know, as as sort of hardware and access um, and familiarity with with online education changes, I think that's gonna open up some new pockets where where people maybe today speaking it's in your pocket. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going right there. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I think uh, people who today are missing some core skill, but not missing the drive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll I'll just say this is sort of a little tangential from what was intended to be a closing comment, but. Um, uh, a lot of the people who I've encountered in gig economies, you know, whether it's an Uber driver or whatever, like a ton of hustle on those folks, oh right? And yeah. so, like, I think if you have that that attitude, um, uh, you know, plus some exposure, uh, I I think there's going to be it's going to allow for some migration across, um, you know, the uh, sort of affluence. Uh, quintiles, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think there will be more of that that's enabled through smaller workforce bites that are coupled with smaller skilling up bites. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And also, I would uh, say, as educators and folks who are passionate about learning, it's also really exciting in that new problems are emerging that really don't have mature solutions for just yet. So, like. Uh, whether it's Neuralink downloads or uh, just better. Uh, I'm here for you, Elon. <laughs> I'm right here waiting for you. <laughs> better life prep for folks. You know, really, uh, we've talked a lot about the power of non-cognitive, uh, you know, instruction for test prep. I think it also relates to landing a job and managing your life. Managing for sure. For work sure. Work-life balance, all those types of things. So, um you know, I think we're I think we're kind of hopeful, right? Well, I think we're hopeful. Yeah, yeah. we're we're optimists on yeah. this pod. I mean, I think there's you get a little to exercise a little choice around optimism or pessimism. It's 2017. Yeah, you know, you're you're welcome to be as pessimistic as you want. You can find all the cues for that in today's world. Yeah. But um, yeah. there's hope out there too. So yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on team hope. Nice. And if you're pessimistic, hit us up on trending and Ed <laughs> at Twitter. Uh, there are there's a lot of room for pessimism on Twitter, and we'll be happy to happy to respond to you there. Uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, thanks uh, thanks to you, Brandon, for some quality interaction here. And uh, right back at you. And uh, and uh, Godspeed, Dan uh, Dan Strafford. We'll talk to you soon.